1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Have you ever had a workout plan before? It is past Thanksgiving, past Christmas, uh, New Year's is upon us, and um, f- for some of us, it's uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas have, have dealt their, their toll. And, and, and conversations are starting that we need to get healthy for the new year. We need to be on a, a workout plan. We need to have, have something uh, structured so that we can follow. It's a major resolution. It makes sense. In order to, uh, to do this, in order to be uh, successful, you need to have a plan. And you need to stick with it and give effort. This is true in physical aspects of our life, but it's also similar principles applied to our Christian life. When I think that they have nothing to do with one another. In fact, when we talk about effort and discipline in the Christian life, it can quickly be associated with legalism or works righteousness. But here in in 1 Timothy, we see train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. See, Scripture talks about discipline and training in the Christian life. Legalism is adding to God's law, creating a law that's not there, or living according to something in order to earn favor with God. When we talk about spiritual fitness and spiritual exercise, we're doing so not in order to earn favor with God, but as those who have been shown favor through God's gracious rescue. As we talk about this spiritual fitness and and how to pursue it and the importance of it today, if you are here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's where you start. Right here this morning, my prayer, my hope for you, is that you find Jesus a sufficient a worthy, an amazing Savior of sin and of sinners like you. If you've been rescued by God's grace, we look at this verse that says training, and we, say, we, we 
want to be obedient to Scripture, what is this talking about? What does this look like? In order for us to understand what this is, we need to understand what it's not. In order for us to understand what it is, we need to understand what it's not. First, we want to say pursuing spiritual fitness is leaning into God's grace. Pursuing spiritual fitness is leaning into God's grace. And we can't confuse law and grace. The spiritual disciplines, as we'll be talking about, in fact, we are kicking off a series on spiritual disciplines and we'll take it into the evening service. We should think of it as sipping in God's grace, not as simply law-keeping. I remember uh, a well-intentioned person saying in, in church once, uh, if Jesus died for me, the least I can do is go to church for him. If Jesus died for me, the least I can do is go to church for him. We could substitute anything we wanted there. Uh, if Jesus died for me, the least I could do is read my Bible. If Jesus died for me, the least I can do is pray to him. Well, there's a truth there, right? There's a truth that Jesus did more than we could ever imagine. And if we're going to live in gratitude, we can never pay back. We're simply we're living in gratitude for all the amazing things that he has done for us. But there's also this, this idea that you do this for me and now I'll do this for you. Or, ah, I guess I'll have to pray. I guess I have to go to church. It's like taking uh, a, a trip to the Bahamas, right? Your, your, fl- your plane lands there and, and everything's beautiful. It's like, like it's paradise. And, and then somebody's like, hey, go eat at this amazing restaurant. You're like, stop being li-. Like, no. I'm not going to eat there. Like, that's, 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 stop telling me what to do. When we think about the spiritual disciplines and prayer and coming to church, you understand it's a gracious invitation from God. Come here. Grow in my grace. Too often, we, we mix it up. We view these gracious invitations from God, these gracious rhythms that we can have in our life, as some kind of chore. As a temptation that each of us can have. And perhaps a, a, a cruel ploy of the enemy. That we see gracious things as some kind of burdening law. One person commenting on the spiritual discipline says we can look at it as, as almost these, these canals of God's grace that we're jumping in in front of. Or another says it's like getting in Jesus' way. Like Zacchaeus climbing the tree. Like Jesus is coming here so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to park myself here because I'm going to be near Jesus. And the spiritual disciplines can be like getting in Jesus' way. When we think about the idea of God growing us 
and God making us more and more into the image of Jesus, he does it in a few different ways. He does it in a few different ways. Uh, First way he does it is by the people in our life. People in our life. As God sharpens us and directs us, as he makes us more and more into the image of Jesus. Don Whitney says, parents, classmates, customers, teachers, neighbors, pastors, God changes us through these people. Second is circumstances. Circumstances that God places in our life. In challenging circumstances, God trains us in his truth. Christmas just ha- uh, was uh, just a, a few days ago, and we, if, you, if you're a parent of young children, you get, like, well-intentioned relatives <clears throat> uh, get, uh, like, uh, like, we get, because we have boys, we like, Hot Wheel sets, uh, or, like, different car-type sets, <laughs> and, and you take these things out, and they, they look great on the box, right? Uh, you take them out, and there's, like, five million pieces, I got, I got one, a hundred and some steps to put this thing together. Right, here's the tools included. Right? And of course, they don't have stickers on them. So you have to put the stickers, but you get one shot. Right? You put the sticker on, you try to peel it off like it's just paper. And it looks horrible. And so you, it, like, there's this precision uh, type thing. And, and I'm just thinking, like, we, we uh, did Christmas uh, in Pennsylvania this year. Uh, with my in-laws, and so we were, we were in Pennsylvania, and of course they, they get the tracks, and they get these different things, and they want to play with them there, and so we're putting them together there, but I'm just, I know to myself, like, I need to put this together now, then I need to take it back apart. <laughs> Maybe I can lose it. No, I better not lose it. And <clears throat> then I need to put it back once we get there. Like, this is a process. It is like something so small and so minuscule. It's like God's teaching me patience, right? He's teaching me my own selfishness because I'm, 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 I'm saying to myself, like, is there a way that I could somehow lose a part and then it can't work later? And I, I don't have to do that work again. Right? And this is my kids. Like, I love my kids. But, like, these thoughts are going through my mind. Right? So God uses circumstances... Silly circumstances like that are serious, difficult, heart-wrenching events in our life that God uses. Times when we, we have nowhere else to turn. And we realize, wait a minute, God, God is here the whole time and he is all I need. And God uses these in our life to direct us, to make us more and more into the image of Jesus. Psalm 119, 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. How many of us is that true almost in daily life, right? Circumstances and people that God uses. There's a third, the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines. <clears throat> uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, exercise yourself unto godliness. The other two, people in our life and circumstances, often are out of our control. We have certain co-workers, siblings, 
We have circumstances that come that we can't control, but the spiritual disciplines, we can, we can choose to read our Bible tonight. We can choose to spend time in prayer tonight. And this is another way that God uses to grow his people. One thing we have to keep in mind, though, is we don't discipline ourselves into holiness, right? Holiness is a gift of God. Yet we can take hold of the ways that God has given us to grow and pray that he works through them. God often uses habits to reorient our lives and to reorder our loves. We could picture spiritual disciplines like working out. We mentioned 1 Timothy 4, 7, exercise yourself unto godliness. It's like hitting up a particular weight machine. Certain ones exercise different parts of your body. If you've ever been uh, to the gym, you know that there's some people, we call them uh, upper body warriors, perhaps. So they work out uh, their upper body, uh, uh, biceps, triceps, uh, chest. They, they exercise their, their top part, but they have twigs for legs. Um, it's, it's the, it produces memes like, you know, fr- friends don't let friends skip leg day. Right? Right? It's for show, not for go, right? It's, it, it, it makes sense because you do that and you can see it and you can flex and, and, and it's impressive. But it's not really going to help you in life. It's not really going to help you train for, for a sport. An athlete needs to train various muscles because they're doing it for a specific purpose. And as we look at spiritual disciplines in our life, we can, we can also, we need to be well-rounded. at different disciplines, different practices that will train us in different ways. That will prepare us for life to come. So we can think of the means of grace like avenues to getting in Jesus' way. Next, pursuing spiritual fitness is expected from the Lord. Is expected from the Lord. So not only are we leaning in, and this is what it's producing, it's also something that's expected. Holiness is expected. First Peter 1, 15-16. But as he who called you is holy... You also should be holy in your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Self-control is is called a gift of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And we are called to deny ourselves as disciples of Jesus. And he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So holiness is expected. And also, Jesus is our example. Jesus did it himself. He got alone and prayed. He sat under biblical teaching. He memorized scripture. 
He's not only the reason that we can grow, but he's a model for, our, for us to follow. We need to understand that just like most things in life, this takes work. It takes determination. This isn't in opposition to grace. In fact, the only reason that we want to pursue Jesus to begin with is because of God's grace at work in our heart. But it does take effort. I saw an interesting story when preparing. It said, it says this, the undisciplined are like playwright uh, George Kaufman, who was enduring a sales pitch from a gold mine promoter. The salesman was praising the productivity of the mine in hopes of persuading Kaufman to buy shares in it. Why, it's so rich you could pick up chunks of gold from the ground. Do you mean, asked Kaufman, I'd have to bend over? The gold of godliness isn't found on the surface of Christianity. It has to be dug from the depths with the tools of the disciplines. But for those who persevere, the treasures are worth it. Third, not pursuing spiritual fitness is dangerous for the Christian. Is dangerous for the Christian. The first danger is that we bear little fruit. We face the danger of bearing little fruit. We may have spiritual gifts from the Lord, but they're never sharpened or made useful because of lack of discipline. There are multitudes of stories about those who have great natural talent, but they burn out because they have lack of discipline. They relied so much on raw talent that they didn't know how to train correctly. It can be true in academic in academic life, those who are naturally gifted, and I don't have to study for a test, but then they get to a certain level in their academic career, and not knowing how to study comes back to bite them. They can be true in athletics. The best around, you don't need to train hard because you just show up and beat everybody, but there comes a point where that comes back. But it's also true with us spiritually. Those who have great gifts but lack discipline can hurt themselves and those around them. Think of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the, in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. Are we drinking in God's grace? Are we planted next to him and growing? It's necessary for the Christian life. Kevin DeYoung says it like this. Here's a challenging thought. Have you ever met a growing Christian who is not reading the Bible and praying with some regularity? 
Have you ever met a growing Christian who is not reading the Bible and praying with some regularity? We're growing in our faith. It's going to be evident. It's going to make a difference in what we do. It's going to change our desires. Next, we'll be robbed of greater freedom. We'll be robbed of greater freedom. Those who are the most disciplined are those who have the greatest freedom. Think about it. If you prepare really well for a test, you have considerable freedom uh, to go into more depth or less depth about the particular subject. You could share how it relates to something else. If you're not disciplined and you just memorized a few facts, you are only regurgitating those facts. The more disciplined you are at a craft, the easier and more freedom you have. If I were to go to the piano, it's going to be different if I sit at that piano than if Adam sits at that piano. He has freedom to be able to play it however he wants. I can't even play jingle bells. I had no clue what I'm doing. That, that, that instrument means nothing to me. But the more that you train, the more that you're able to do it, the more freedom and flexibility that you have in the area. Elizabeth Elliot says this, freedom and discipline have, become to become, <coughs> have come to be regard, <coughs> regarded as mutually exclusive. When in fact, freedom is not at all opposite, but the final reward of discipline. The same is true in our, in our spiritual life as we pursue the disciplines, as we become um, more acquainted with them. Um, there's more freedom in our spiritual life. There's more freedom in, in being able to teach the Bible, the more we know the Bible. If we know a little, we're just really afraid of not saying uh, something terribly wrong. But if we know the limits, there's freedom within the limits. And spiritual fitness is something that we're invited to enjoy. We can't forget the end goal. I have a poster hanging in my office that says, uh, Westminster uh, Catechism, question one. What is the chief end of man? And it says, man's chief end. In, our, in other words, our main purpose and goal in life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Being trained in righteousness. Leaning into God's grace through these disciplines allows us to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's something beautiful. We, we all know certain people who are fitness junkies. They're already in shape, but they just keep adding things. They keep spicing it up, and they, and they just love that life. And it seems like the more they do, the more they want to do. There's a very close connection with spiritual disciplines. Often when we're not doing them, when we're neglecting them, it's really hard. 
But the more that we're growing, the more that we're reading our Bible, the more that we're praying, the more that we're growing in a relationship with God, the more and more that we want to do it. But here's the hard part. To take that step, to acknowledge that we need to do it, that takes dying to ourself. It takes dying to ourself. Physical fitness, we can, we, we can try to pretend, hey, we don't need to do this, but it, it's kind of obvious and we, the, the results are, are kind of evident as it's happening. But we can lie to ourselves, we can try to fib other people and say, no, me and God, we're good. Yeah, every, everything is okay in that department. And try to push it aside and push it aside because we know if we take a step forward and say, no, this is something I need to work on. We're admitting to ourselves, admitting to people around us, that this is important and I should have been doing it all along. It's the hardest. <laughs> First step. Walking forward, admitting that, dying to ourselves. That's difficult. But that's part of the Christian life. Dying to ourselves, dying to our own comfort. Not living for what is seen, but what is unseen. Here's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do we trust in God's way to grow in your faith? Do you trust in God's way to grow in your faith? Tonight we're going to talk about a couple of the ways that God has given us to grow in our faith through Bible intake and prayer. Probably once a month we'll be, we'll be revisiting this idea of, of spiritual disciplines and, and looking to add different uh, disciplines to our life and, and looking at them and, ha- and how we can structure daily, weekly, monthly rhythms in our life and order them in a way that we're desiring God, a way that we're, we're entering into his presence through uh, some of these disciplines. I'm excited. I uh, hope you come back uh, tonight as we discuss some of these. Again, this isn't us trying to earn favor with God, but it's knowing what Jesus has done for us, knowing that we are forgiven and free in Jesus, and taking advantage of these, these good things he's given us to grow in our relationship with him. I'm excited. Uh, I hope you come back tonight because it will be a, a good practical thing as we talk through some of these disciplines together. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are, God, as we, as we look at this idea of spiritual fitness. God, physical fitness is easy for us to, to grasp. It's easy to wrap our mind around. But God, we know that even in your word, it says that this is... this. Spiritual fitness and, and training ourselves in godliness endures forever, and it's, uh, it's even more important. God, help us not to neglect it. Help, safeguard us from legalistic attitudes and, uh, and training, even spiritually, just to get noticed. But God, help us to, um, in all that we do, do it for your glory and for the good of those around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.